peace of Christ to you all, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. We're in the, uh, really, the, this is the last Sunday of a series where we've been walking through and just continuing to marinate in and, and talk about the, the grace of God. You know, just that God um, loves us so much, there's absolutely nothing we can do to make God love us more, or there's nothing we can do to make God love us less, because His care and affection for us is based on His character and His um, uh, holy love and grace. And that's the, the, the scandalous, radical grace of God. And um, as we, if we've been talking about that, a number of questions that sort of come every once in a while. And this one was actually pretty early on in the series, but I saved it because it fit just right for this particular Sunday. Um, which, by the way, you know, they're little prayer cards, but if you have questions on there, or other, you know, little uh, um, notes you want to write, you know, we, we do read them and we pray through them. And, and actually it works better if you write something down, because if you tell me um, after on a Sunday, there's a 50-50 chance that it's going to leave the building when I do. Um, I, you know, just don't know if I'll ever, but if you write it or then we'll uh, usually remember it. But somebody asked, um, how, how do you show grace in parenting, you know, how, how does that work? How is there grace and still discipline? How is there grace and still consequences for our actions? You know, a great, great question uh, around grace and, and consequences. And in really, not just in parenting, uh, but in, in general, in, in many ways, does grace ever say no? You know, is it ever a, a gracious thing to, to, to set limits? Is it ever a gracious act even to punish? Is it grace to give consequences to actions that are evil or wrong or disobedient? And in our passage today in Hebrews chapter 12... The answer from the writer of Hebrews is yes, yes, over and over again. Yes, it is for the good of creation. It is for the good of God's people. And it is out of love that God brings discipline and even punishment and even judgment for what is wrong, what is evil, what is destructive. Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse Five, uh, found on page 978 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your written word, and, and we thank you for your living spirit um, who resides uh, within us. And we ask now that you would um, so take your spirit to take your word and, and apply it in our lives individually, um, in, and in us as a, a church, we um, want to continue to receive your gracious truth, your gracious correction, your gracious wisdom. Speak to us and lead us in, in this time. Help us put ourselves aside so that we will hear from you 
and apply it in our lives. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children? And here he quotes from uh, the book of Proverbs. My child, do not regard lightly discipline of the Lord, or lose heart when you are punished by Him. For the Lord disciplines those whom He loves and chastises every child whom he accepts. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? If you do not have that discipline in which all children share, then you are illegitimate and not his children. Moreover, we had human parents to discipline us, and we respected them. Should we not be even more willing to be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share His holiness. Now, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time. But later... It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, so here in the, the, the writer from Hebrews, listen to the, I mean, the words that he, he uses of God's grace, of God's love, that, that he disciplines, that he trains, that he punishes, that even chastises, that God loves those that he, he, that he punishes so that, because that leads to their holiness, that leads to their healing, that, that leads to them being trained in the ways of righteousness. The first thing that you see that the writer, as he quotes from Proverbs, he says, you know, the, the, it's a very sign of, of when we're disciplined by God, that when we're convicted of sin, of God's love for us. I mean, it's God's Spirit that does that. It's God's Spirit that convicts us of sin or, or does things in our life to awaken us to our own selfishness, to the own way, our own ways that we're like John Newton. That, that's God's grace. It's God's love. I've had you know, folks regularly um, say to me, you know, I just every uh, time I come to confession, you know, I confess the same thing over and over. And I'm like, praise the Lord. God has not grown impatient with you. And He hasn't grown impatient with me. I don't know how many times every Sunday that we have the prayer of confession and I sit somewhere over there and basically I pray the same thing. And God continues to bring to mind. You know, my own arrogance, my own selfishness, because he hasn't grown impatient with me and with you. I mean, he loves the one that he disciplines. It's it's out of out of his love uh, that, or out of parents' love, ideally that they discipline their children. 
It's out of love that, that teachers discipline, that, that people in authority discipline those that are under their care, ideally. I mean, when, when parents, when, when authorities, when they don't discipline appropriately, when they, when they don't lead their, their, their children in the, the ways of life, you know, telling them to, to brush their teeth, you know, telling them to, to share with others, to respect authority, we, we call that neglect. When parents don't do that. And so, because it's, it's a lack of love that doesn't give guidelines and limits and discipline. I mean, in uh, sociologists, psychologists, when you, when you look at the need for discipline over and over, say, you know, if, if we discipline rightly and appropriately, and even in our own brokenness as we, we lead to teaching what training in the ways of what is right and what is good, that, that leads to children maturing. That, that develops their self-control. It actually develops their empathy. Helps them understand and care for others. It helps develop their responsibility. Helps them learn to love others and also to even love and accept themselves. Helps them to learn to be accountable, to respect authority, and generally, as best they can measure these things, leads to one who is generally happy in life. So, so, those, so God in perfect ways, disciplines us because it leads to life. And we see that even in our own families where where parents seek to do that in ways that are healthy. Now, any any parent or child uh, has been in a situation where we discipline in ways that aren't healthy. Then we don't discipline like God. When we, we discipline out of our own fear. Or out of our own humiliation, you know, out of our own shame or embarrassment, uh, that that leads um, to, and that, that can lead at times to emotional and even physical abuse. That's not the way that God disciplines, in in ways uh, that shows our own fallenness, because God always disciplines always brings judgment, always brings his, his limits and direction, as the text says in verse 10, for our good. He disciplines us for our good in order that we may share his holiness. God, God brings His limits. God says no in His grace and mercy because that's what's best for us. You, you know, I mean, you, you think about it as, as a parent, in our best moments, we know it's best for our children. You know, like uh, brushing their teeth every day. Yeah, it's a good thing. I don't know any child, no child of mine really wanted to brush their teeth every day. It wasn't on their list of things to do. And it was loving and caring to say, no, you need to go brush your teeth today. This is what is best for you. Don't know that it led to holiness, but it cut down on the dentist bills. And later on in life, you know, the, then things switched, you know, and they started brushing their teeth every day and telling me to brush my teeth more. God's discipline... His, his, his judgment, even His punishment to us are for our good. 
leads to, his, to, to sharing in his character of love and joy and peace. In a controversial example, uh, uh, around God's limits, around God saying no, is, is our understanding of human sexuality. Now, we understand the scriptures to teach that, uh, almost, that, that sexuality is to be experienced and enjoyed as a good gift of God in what we would call monogamous heterosexual relationships. Committed relationships till death do you part. Marriage between a man and a woman. And that that's, that's God's limits. That's God saying, here's where that is to be enjoyed. And outside of that leads to destruction, individually and even as a society. Now, that, that's not the, the popular notion of human sexuality. As a matter of fact, I read an article in the New York Times um, recently, and uh, they were quoting, um, this isn't necessarily a big expert, um, but Miley Cyrus. And, and what, what uh, Miss Cyrus w- was saying, who's an entertainer, for those who don't know her, was saying is that, you know, we're, we're in an age of sexual freedom. You know, that, that as long as everyone is consenting and they're above the age of 18, then go for it. You know, and, in, and enjoy uh, sexuality. Now, I do want you to note one thing there, that everybody still has limits. It's not a matter of not having limits. I mean, even Miley Cyrus says there are limits. You've got to be over 18, and you uh, have to, uh, everybody has to consent. We understand that the Scriptures say that sexuality is a wonderful gift of God to be enjoyed in the relationship, of, a committed relationship of a man and woman in marriage. And that, that God sets that up not out of trying to be mean or to set some arbitrary limits. Um, he, he sets that up for our good, for us to, to grow uh, like uh, Him. He sets that up even to maximize the pleasure over the long term of our lives. And, and what... I would long for us to be, and what I, love, I wish that the church of, of Jesus Christ could be is that place where in the radical grace of Jesus Christ, anyone and everyone could gather, no matter what their sexual orientation, no, no matter uh, whether they, uh, it's L or Q or B or T or H, hetero or homo. It doesn't matter what the orientation is, but that all would be able to gather and in that scandalous grace of Jesus Christ pursue His will for us. Pursue His good and perfect will and not try to somehow baptize our own desires and call that what is best. Long for us to be that kind of people where anyone and everyone who are seeking to follow God's will, God's limits of heterosexual monogamy, that, that would, and that anyone and everyone would come and pursue that uh, together. 
That are limits set in the radical, amazing grace of Jesus Christ. But no, pursuing after the way of of Jesus, living according to His limits, uh, uh, obeying where He says no and following where He says yes, and the discipline that takes is not easy. That's why he's, the writer says at the end, he says, Now this discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time. That, that the times, and, and you can think about this as a child, the, those times when your parents said no. That at the time it was really painful to hear that because you wanted to go to that party. And it just so happens that that's where everybody was going to be and it was going to be great and it didn't matter, you know, that no parents were going to be there or anything like that. And it was really painful and you were really ticked off. And then, you know, you're really happy the next day because you weren't there when the police showed up. And everybody there got uh, wrangled um, in with the, uh, because things got out of hand. same way with our Heavenly Father who, who knows what is best and who is guiding us in the way of, of truth that there will be times that it will be painful. It will be painful when we go our own way and, and that leads to our own pain. It leads to our own destruction. So the consequences that God allows. And, and it may also lead to pain when we do stand up for what God wants us to do but the world around us doesn't. And, and friends and, and others, there's a, they speak of us negatively. Or it's just simply the pain and the fear of missing out on what was going on when God says, no, that is not what leads to life to the full. So there's, there's pain in, in all kinds of ways. The word actually that the writer used is here is the same word we, we use for gymnastics. Um, uh, the, uh, and it's talking about exercising. And, and you know, the, the way, what happens when we work out, you know, when we, when we lift weights. What's happening when, we, when we're lifting weights uh, more and more is that it, it causes little micro tears in our muscles. And then when we relax and we're finished, then the muscles build back stronger and bigger. But it does take walking through that pain of following the way of Jesus to build that faith. In, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, the writer tells us that even Jesus learned that way. That Jesus learned through His suffering. He learned through pain. In the fullness of His humanity. In the fullness of being in a world characterized by sin. Now, Jesus was without sin... But following the way of the Father in a world that went the other way caused suffering and pain. But that pain... I mean, get this. This is, this is the amazing grace of God. This is the scandalous grace of God that that pain is a gift from God. I mean, do you, do you realize that? That pain is a, is a gift from God. Because it, it stops us in the midst of doing what is harmful. It, it awakens us when we, we're going the wrong way and leads us to the right way. 
Um, uh, one time I was uh, uh, grilling in the backyard, and this is when the children were smaller. And I had one of those uh, you know, 22-inch uh, black kettle grills, and uh, I'd put the top on it. And told the, the kids, listen, you know, th- this, is, this is hot. You know, it doesn't look hot. It looks nice and black and shiny and all the rest smells good. But don't touch it. You know, it'll hurt. It'll hurt when, when you go to, to touch it. And, you know, so I'm out there grilling and I'm turn, I've turned around and the kids are playing. Next thing, one of them runs down the steps and jumps down and, boom, puts their hands right on the grill. You know, and sort of this, ah, and the, runs and cries inside. Now, now th- think about the, the pain. Now, there, there, was, there, was correct, there was already worse. Say, don't do this, right? And, and just more so out. It wasn't direct disobedience, but just out of ignorance. You know, or being forgetfulness. You're just in the midst of playing. It was a good thing that it was painful, right? Because it was hot. And flesh doesn't work well with fire. And so the good thing is, the hands went on, the pain set in as a gift from God, then the hands quickly came off. Because if there had been no pain, the hands would have stayed there. And would have burned the flesh down to the bone, would have ruined and destroyed. Now my child's hands. And the other, the other gift of that pain that, that awakens my child is to say, they never did that again. You know, they never played with the, uh, the fire and the heat of the grill again. It, I mean, it was a gift. You see that in, in the stories of the Old Testament with Israel. Because regularly, the basic stories, as you read through that, you know, read through the stories, what do you find out? Well, Israel, they're, they're walking with God, and that leads to peace, that leads to prosperity, and everything's going well. And as things go better and better in peace and prosperity, they sort of go their own way, neglecting and forgetting the ways of God. And next thing you know, they're back to following the ways of Baal. And, and God brings judgment. He brings discipline. He set things up and say, no, don't go that way. That leads to destruction. You will destroy yourself, and I love you too much for you to destroy yourself. And, and, and the, the height of that, uh, or the low point of that actually, as they're in the, the throes of their own, worshiping their own God, then God brings uh, Babylon and, and takes them as, uh, into exile, takes most of the nation, destroys the place, and takes them all to Babylon as their own slaves and servants. God does that to awaken them. To the error of their ways. I mean, what, what uh, C.S. Lewis says this well in the, in the Problem of Pain, a book that he wrote. C.S. Lewis is a Christian in England uh, 50, 60, 70 years ago. Really smart guy. He says, Pain insists upon, upon being attended to. Pain insists on being attended to. You you can't ignore it. In our pleasures, we hear God whisper. In our conscience, we we hear God speak. But God shouts in our pain. It's His megaphone to awaken the deaf to Him. It's an amazing grace. 
that uses even judgment, that uses even pain to awaken us to Him. So that we're trained in the way of holiness. So that we're trained in the way that leads to healing. So that we're trained and guided in the way that leads to righteousness. That leads to joy and life to the full. It's the, the, the limits of God that is wonderfully gracious. I mean, there, there's times when what God calls us to do, that may be really difficult, may even cause us you know, pain internally. Things like tithing. That's a wonderful gift of God. To say tithe because you demonstrate that I'm greater even than money. Or when we limit ourselves, as I've already talked about, around the pleasures of sexuality. And God says, because this is what leads to life. Or, or when we're, we're honest with one another, when we confess our, our sin to one another, when we forgive one another. Those, those are hard, difficult steps to take, but those are ways that lead to life. God's grace leads to salvation. God's correction leads us to, to see the error of our ways so that we will turn to Him. It's in, in Ezekiel, that is God's desire every step of the way. Ezekiel 33.10 now, now you mortal, say to the house of Israel, Thus you have said, Our transgressions and our sins weigh upon us, and we waste away because of them. How can, then can we live? Say to them, this is God saying to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their ways and live. Turn back, turn back, turn from your evil ways, for why will you die? God's desire is, is for the wicked to turn to know Him. So any act of discipline, of setting limits, of punishment even to draw him, folks, to him. So the understanding the judgment and discipline of God in, in the midst of his scandalous grace, in, in the midst of his amazing grace, is absolutely crucial. I remember my... Uh, my old uh, boss with, with Young Life, when I worked with Young Life back in uh, North Carolina, and he, he would um, have a little uh, habit just every once in a while and with his family and his kids. And he told us about it. And he said, every once in a while, we'll just eat dessert first. Now, there's no, well, you've got to eat your broccoli before you have your ice cream. Yeah, there, there's no, you've you got to eat your... Uh, P, Peter and Jeremy got really excited on that. You liked that one, didn't you? You liked that one, Jeremy? Eat dessert first? Uh, wisdom. And he's saying, because remember, yes, it is good. It is, it is right. Yeah, you need to eat your vegetables before you eat your ice cream. You know, and sometimes you can leverage that. 
you know, to, to get them to eat the, the vegetables. But, but sometimes you've got to remember that all of that is bathed in this scandalous grace of God who doesn't desire for the, the, the wicked to perish, who desires for all to come to know Him, who, whose very punishment is an act of grace so that folks will turn to, to follow Him. It has nothing to do with His embarrassment or His shame or His anger. It has everything to do with His love. So sometimes, because we can get caught up in, in works righteousness, it's just good to eat dessert first. So is it good? Is it right? How, how do we, in, in parenting, in, in leading, in, in teaching as Christians, is there a place for, for discipline and grace? Yes, they're intimately connected. To me, it's one of the greatest signs of, and demonstrations of God's scandalous grace that He can even take pain. He can even take disobedience. He can even take discipline. He can even take judgment. even take punishment and make that an instrument of His love for our good and His glory. That's an amazing grace. Amen.